You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference in agri-food. This show is part of the series Waste Not, featuring stories from innovators who spend their lives revitalizing our agri-food system so our human family can find the way forward together. From Alberta, we'll be discussing technology-enabled food rescue with Surya Hudson, Director of Operations at the Leftover Foundation. Welcome, Surya. Thank you. It is great to meet you and, and happy to be here. So delighted to have you here. Surya, how did the Leftovers Foundation get started and what's its purpose? Sure. So our founder, uh, Lourdes Juan, was inspired to start the Leftovers Foundation after witnessing how much unsold bread a single bakery in Calgary had at closing time. Uh, so her and her cousin were picking up excess bread from this bakery to deliver what they thought would be a small donation uh, to a local charity. Uh, when they arrived, she was shocked that the donation was over 200 pounds of bread. Uh, so this bakery wanted full shelves of freshly baked bread every day for their customers, uh, but didn't want any excess to go to waste. So they ended up taking it to a drop-in center where it ended up all being used by noon the next day. Uh, so this drop-in center um, was serving about 3,000 meals a day. So in 2012, uh, Leftovers was created to sort of replicate what had happened in this instance uh, with other donors and other service agencies throughout Calgary. And we now have operations in Edmonton, Winnipeg, Lethbridge, and Red Deer, and have a, a presence in Hinton and Airdrie as well. So the program is very straightforward and effective. Edible food that would otherwise be sent to the landfill gets redirected to service agencies throughout our communities um, in which we operate and into the hands of our most vulnerable members. So our amazing volunteers make use of our Rescue Food app uh, to sign up for routes to take good edible food from food donors. So that could be bakeries, grocery stores, uh, farmers markets, hotels, and any other sort of small business, and then deliver it to service agencies throughout our cities. So service agencies could include emergency shelters, you know, programming that supports low-income seniors, youth, newcomers. It could also be community pantries and fridges, which provide barrier-free access to food, for example. Wow, what an incredible contribution to the community, starting with an idea, uh, thinking I'll help out, and that being 200 pounds back then, you said this was around 2012, and then realizing 3,000 people needed some help, and then growing it out into what it is today. That That's amazing contribution. And you had mentioned the app. So let's shift our attention now to the technology part of how you make all of this incredible food rescue and community contribution. How does the app facilitate food rescue? And, and just tell us more about the app. Sure. So the Rescue Food app is a volunteer-facing technology uh, that allows us to organize the logistics of pickups, um, so from the food donors or businesses, and the drop-offs, of course, to our designated receiving service agencies. So we call these routes. Food donors, service agencies, and volunteers can all sign up directly on our website uh, in order to participate. Um, our city coordinator, whose staff, of course, will sort out all of the logistics, a schedule, the mapping, etc. And then this will show up on the app. So volunteers can take a look, then sign up for any route that's convenient for them at any time. There's no commitment necessary. 
Um, at the end of the routes, the volunteers input our data, such as, you know, weight and type of food rescued directly in the app and can also include notes and photos um, outlining their experience. So the app takes care of things like recording time taken to complete the route, the distance traveled, uh, things like this. So our app keeps us organized every day in our in our day-to-day -day kind of operations, but it also helps us with user-generated metrics reporting. Um, and this is important to, you know, it's essential actually in, in showing our impact to the community, um, obviously for funding, and of course to um, inform our next steps as an organization as well. Yeah, that sounds really, really helpful. As you were speaking, I was thinking of kind of like the food rescue version of air traffic controlling. You've got incoming and outgoing and timing, and you've got to get the right size pickup vehicle to the right size pickup that's being done. And then it's got to go to the right place that can receive it with that volume of storage and capacity to process it for the people, the beneficiaries of all of this incredible rescued food. Sounds like a lot of work and something that an app would certainly help out with. So can you tell us some more of the efficiencies that you've observed with this on-demand food rescue, because the apps helps it really be on-demand, right? An excess comes up and it seems like no sooner does that go in the app than someone would be there to pick it up and redistribute it, which is really helpful in food rescue because it's time sensitive, some of the things that are being picked up. So efficiencies, tell us about those, please, Soraya. Absolutely. So we have our regular routes um, that I've discussed already, um, where, you know, it's a, it's a scheduled pickup. So at the end of the day, there's a certain business that has a donation that happens on a regular basis. We also have a feature, we call it our on-demand feature, which allows for donors to create pickups on an ad hoc basis. So there are often times when not enough food was consumed at an event, for example, or another agency needs su support redistributing large donations or a grocery store has received extra orders in error. Um, possibly a small business has edible food that's approaching the best before date. Um, so leftovers can get that food just in time and make sure that it doesn't go to waste. So food donors can log into our on-demand food donor portal, submit a pickup request and monitor if a volunteer has signed up to redirect their donation. So the benefit here uh, is that food donors can post a pickup request anytime that is convenient for them, depending on you know, what comes out without committing themselves to regular donations. Um, of course, the other major benefit is that we can make sure that perfectly good food that hasn't been planned for uh, stays out of the landfill and gets eaten by those who need it. Time is of the essence in food rescue. And of course, the human family needs to eat every day. So we want to be sure that as much of the rescued food gets out there. And this on-demand app really sounds like it helps with the whole process of making that dream happen. What are some of the lessons learned? It sounds so good, but I'm sure that there are many lessons learned. What's What are some of the challenges of using technology in food rescue? Sure. So I'll start by saying that historically, you know, food rescue has been very low tech consisting mostly of you know, storage and distribution facilities operated by volunteers. So Electrovis has created this rescue food app to enhance operations uh, and allow for a streamlined experience for donors, volunteers, and of course, for staff. It's very efficient. So you know, rather than meeting at a warehouse to get organized, uh, manually organizing routes, trying to connect via phone or email, everything is in real time. A donation is ready. The volunteer signs up for the route picks up from the donor, data is entered upon delivery. It's all very, very simple. Um, our staff and volunteers are always engaging with the app and we're getting regular feedback and constantly making improvements. It's a learning process, of course, always things to change. Um, we're very reactive uh, and proactive, I suppose, in, in making sure that, you know, the app is, is the most efficient and, and user-friendly. Um, you know, and of course it's just, the, the truth that, you know, once in a while technology fails us, um, but we're 
we're able to do so much more um, in the, for the environment and the community by making use of this technology that, you know, sometimes the, the small glitches are, are definitely worth it. Right. So the the end game is better than the small glitches along the way. And so uh, the takeaway message is the app and technology is really helpful in food rescue and distribution in achieving, helping everyone have enough to eat to live their best life. What does the future hold uh, at Leftovers Foundation, Soraya? Sure. So we are very excited to have recently launched in both Lethbridge and Red Deer. Uh, we're exploring options, of course, if feasible, to expand into Saskatchewan and throughout the prairies. Uh, so right now we are seeing most success in bigger cities, but we're also trying to create a model that allows us to support smaller municipalities. Um, we may do this by sort of looking at clusters of communities as opposed to individual ones to make it more efficient. Um, but this is sort of a work in progress. Uh, we're also currently in the process of doing some long-term strategic planning. So, I mean, who knows what the future holds? We're always open to new ideas, but I do know that the intention is to scale up and redirect more food from the landfill to our service agency partners who are working so hard to impact the lives of so many. Um, and then, of course, have a meaningful presence in more and more communities. Right. It's very hopeful because it's not just a dream. You're doing it. And as you had mentioned, you want to scale up, but you're developing efficiencies in the operations, in the analytics, in the metrics that you receive in the app, both in terms of donations and distribution and, uh, you know, receiving all the things in the, in the supply chain that happen, you're monitoring and improving on with your, with your app, which is very, very hopeful. Thank you, Soraya. It, it's fascinating. After the break, we'll talk more with Soraya Hudson from the Leftovers Foundation about the community benefits of the Home Harvest Program. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Soraya Hudson from the Leftovers Foundation from Alberta about the Home Harvest Program and the community benefits of this wonderful work. Soraya, can you tell us about the Home Harvest Program? I thought it was so innovative when I saw it on your website. Thank you. Absolutely. So the Home Harvest uh, Program is an extension of our rescue food program, where instead of food being rescued from grocery stores, bakeries, and other small businesses, it's coming from our local backyard gardens and fruit trees. So it's very common for people to have overproductive gardens that produce more food than an individual or family can eat. Uh, so we connect you with volunteers who can either do the harvest uh, for you or just pick it up and take it to a service agency that can make use of it. So the roots are posted by the growers in a similar fashion to our on-demand roots that I mentioned earlier on in the show. And volunteers pick up um, what has already been harvested or do the harvesting. Sorry, I said that already. I realized that's a no, duplicate. No, it's so. all good. Okay. So um, roots are posted by the growers. Um, if they decide to do the harvest themselves, uh, they're able to keep a portion of the produce uh, just as a you know recognition for their hard work. But of course, the majority is donated. Um, so many do not consider the impact of wasted food in their own backyards, but this is a source of healthy food for people. But it's also helpful in that it reduces emissions that are coming, that's coming from, or sorry, that are coming from decom decomposing food. You know, it's true. So I love the home harvest because I'm thinking of my grandmother's apple and pear tree. 
and how certainly we could never eat the abundance of these apple and pear trees. And so we ended up picking up the windfalls so that she could cut the grass under the tree. But wouldn't it have been wonderful if the Leftovers Foundation was close by so uh, help would be on the way and we would be able to get all of that fruit to people who needed it. So really, really cool idea, the Home Harvest Program. And, and also helpful for people, really keeps it the heart of the community in what you do. You know, we're talking about in technology-enabled food rescue, but really when you hear it's community saying, hey, I've got apples in my backyard. I can't, I, I'll never eat it. I'll never be able to eat. Or I've got some cherries and, and cherries are not a long crop. They don't stay, you know, the birds get those really quickly. So let's get them before the birds. Uh, that it's really cool that the heartbeat of the community is really what keeps the Leftover Foundation um, really successful and doing well with the volunteers and the people who are saying, uh, come and get my zucchinis. We all know about bumper crops of zucchinis and want to make sure everyone gets a chance to have some zucchini bread or whatever it is uh, that they make in the local communities. So imagine, Soraya, that every day, pun intended, and, and please, I, I'll, I, won't, I won't quit my day job, but you see the fruits of your labor, so to speak. And what's one of your most memorable experiences working in food rescue at the Leftover Foundation? Uh, I have one that stands out very, very clearly. Um, so two years ago, when I started with the Leftovers Foundation as the Home Harvest Coordinator uh, here in Edmonton, an amazing family got in touch with me after the very unfortunate passing of their husband and father. Uh, he had dedicated so much of his time maintaining his beautiful, abundant backyard garden, uh, which was overflowing at that point. The family didn't know what to do with it, so a group of us spent the day harvesting his entire garden, speaking to his family, telling stories, and then finally donating a car full of beautiful produce um, to uh, a couple of service agencies. One was the George Spady Society here in Edmonton, and then the rest of it was to Bear Plan Patrol. So this experience for all of us uh, went beyond food redirection. Uh, we all truly felt like community that day. Uh, it was really beautiful. It sounds like it. And really helping in the healing process that the food that was generated by somebody who moved on to whatever comes next was enjoyed by people who really, really needed it. And that we got to share a human experience, it sounds like, from this beautiful story that you've shared. So thank you for that, Soraya. And that leads me to what this show really is all about, which is trying to bring the humanities to today's food dialogue. So history, philosophy, creativity. And how does creativity relate to using technology for food rescue? So as a nonprofit organization as a whole, we're always growing and evolving. It is required to be adaptive and fluid and receptive to changes, um, not only in our geographical communities, but also in our communities of practice, in the constantly changing social dialogue in which we participate, um, and through our responsibilities to our environment and to each other. So the use of technology, our app, um, for our day-to-day -day operations is sort of a tool for logistics management, uh, which is a practice in creativity itself uh, and is so valuable in that it supports and empowers our decision-making. Um, it's sort of a con that allows us to navigate our way through the impossibly complex problem of food insecurity. Yeah, we when we think of logistics, we often think, oh, logic and, and uh, just sort of certainty. But there's a lot of variables and a lot of creativity to make sure point A meets point B at regular intervals um, standardly. So that's really good message about creativity and how it relates to our future and building a flourishing food system. So this show is called Food for the Future. And I'd like to know, Soraya, how will food rescue programs help us continue to create a brighter future together? 
So not only are there other food rescue programs, uh, there are organizations focused on emergency food provision, uh, free or affordable food hampers, pay what you can markets, you know, food, food waste reduction projects, who all recognize the systemic problems that exist and are all trying to positively incite change in our communities. So we're so excited to be involved in conversations about circularity, for example, which are becoming more and more prevalent, which put an emphasis on sustainability by looking at climate and other environmental concerns in our changing world. So we're not a solution to the problem by any means, but what we do goes beyond transporting food. So I think some of the underlying themes that may come out of the work that we're all doing, uh, yourself included, Peggy, uh, is that we hope that we are helping to build equity within our current system to encourage social participation, community engagement, collaboration, and of course, to inspire the mobilization of knowledge. Well said. You know, we're, we're trying to move the dial. Things aren't perfect. It is tough out there. We know that. And there are people still trying every day to, to make a difference. And that's the point of the show. And just wonderful that you made that point as one of your final thoughts. Is there anything else that you'd like to say, Soraya, before we end the show? Sure. So the need for food continues to be so great, yet we're still letting food go to waste. Uh, this is negatively impacting our community and our environment. We currently have a waiting list of service agencies in all of our cities in which we operate uh, who are hoping to become recipients of donated food. So we're always looking for businesses to participate in the program so that we can reach more vulnerable community members in more cities. I wouldn't be able also to leave without uh, giving a huge and sincere thank you to our incredible volunteers who are the backbone and the heart of the organization. We couldn't do any of this without them. Uh, last year, over 300 volunteers gave up 7,000 hours of their time to rescue over a million pounds of food. And that's absolutely incredible. So I suppose to conclude, you know, issues surrounding food security and food waste are just so complex. I encourage people to get involved in whatever capacity that they can take action, donate, volunteer, you know, be part of conversations, share your ideas, um, all of this just to affect positive change. Thank you, Soraya. I'm actually fighting back the tears right now when I hear the volume of our 7,000 hours, volunteers, people coming together every day to try to make a difference. And it's so encouraging. So thank you very, very much, Soraya, to you and the entire team for your incredible contributions. And I do feel a lot better knowing that you're there doing what you do. Thank you so much. It's been um, great speaking with you. Thanks for the opportunity. You're very welcome. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Soraya Hudson, Director of Operations at the Leftover Foundation about technology-enabled food rescue. Each week, to keep revitalizing our communities together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what technology could you use to reduce food waste? Something to do, visit rescuefood.ca to find out how one group of innovators is contributing locally for global encouragement. Next week on the show, it's the series Back to the Future. We'll discuss sharing the harvest with Joe Gansavlez from The Patch, an inclusive community garden. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.